with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. everyone and welcome to Eberron Renewed, an actual play podcast of game, Genesis Eberron. I'm Jeff. Nails it every time. I'm- I, I wrote it down, <laughs> but I can't read. It is just the two of us today. So here's what's going on, everyone. You may have noticed no episode last week. This fall has been a scheduling nightmare. Eric, and to a lesser extent, I just got off of a huge time commitment with this musical we were doing. Trevor's traveling everywhere. It's convention season for Randy. It's just the two of us this week, and we are going to knock out a pretty quick recap of the last 11 episodes, 12 episodes, because that's a lot of episodes. And we noted right before we started this that there's more than a little bit of wheel spinning in these. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I, I certainly did not think some of these things were going to take as long as they ended up taking, which is not like the dice were finicky this whole arc. Like the dice did a lot of things. So, yeah. Yes. And it did. <laughs> We will always have a bone to pick with, I have an idea for your triumph, and then it takes us into a four-episode tangent. But if they weren't fun, we'd stop taking Eric's suggestions. <laughs> but so this starts with the, we recorded these episodes in June, the first handful of episodes <laughs> in this arc, dear listener. And so it's a little fuzzy, but the first thing that happens is we find out that, in fact, Milo Kegbottom is the illegitimate son of of Satan Boromar. How long had he been the son of Satan Boromar? Not since the beginning, no. There were, there was the so when Randy and I were talking about Milo pre-campaign, the idea was kicked around a little bit. But mm. Randy also, being the type of player that he is, threw out a bunch of ideas and said, "Whatever you want to use, go for it." And Randy reached out to me like early this year, I feel, and said, "What if it turns <laughs> out and so we workshopped some ideas about how that could play and what that looks like. And so it was a fairly recent develop that retrofitted really well, just because I had always played Satan as having a soft spot for Milo. And so this just informs that a bit more. And Milo definitely has fealty, had fealty yeah. to Satan. I don't think he ever was like giving up on Satan being on our side when all the rest of us had, or at least we're yeah. willing to hold space for the possibility. Yeah, uh, Milo was never that way. So that's pretty great. Just the little things like Milo came to the four sales and told us all that Satan was his father and everyone just moved on with the planning of the next thing because <laughs> we are bad at role-playing actual emotion. But we spend the remainder of really an episode and a half just trying to beat out of Trevor what he wants to do in regards yeah. to if he's going to kill this lady or kill his dad or disobey his dad or what is the plan. And it turns out that we were able to get some information from Verla mm. about what it would take if he actually tried to do this. And also, on the other side, what Calvair has probably been doing to prepare for this. The biggest yeah. one being, you need to find out what side her son is on. Her son is a, just a smoke show of an elf named Eldred, apparently. <laughs> who's, a little bit, who's a little bit of a goth, louche kind of guy. 
and thus begins the greatest farce in the history of Dungeons and Dragons. Boy, howdy. It was something else. And I know that's not <laughs> true. It can't be true because there are funnier people who did a farce on purpose, I'm sure, that was better and bigger. But our accidental dumbassery, I don't even know what to say about it. It took us like five episodes to find the guy. Yeah, yeah. I did not anticipate meeting with Elder and taking that long. I honestly expect you all expected you all to ask after him when you got there. And that became the opposite of the plan. And so <sighs> I was, yeah. So I, I, need, I hang don't, on. we, we need to revise right now. You cannot use plural pronouns. And this was Trevor's job to do. And I was supposed to be silent and protective. Yeah. I, it was, I don't feel like my actions as a game master in this campaign has instilled a great level of paranoia that I'm going to like try to stab you all in the kidneys at any given moment. But boy, howdy, this scene sure was played that way of if we mention Elderin, then it's going to come back to bite us in the butt. So it was fun to introduce a whole bunch of NPCs. I was just on my toes as at slash on my heels. I, that's, that's weird. As you all were, because I had no idea what was going to happen next. I was uh, on my dice. phone texting Philip, what can I do to make Trevor move this story forward? Because, yeah, the dice really drove a lot of of this scene and its ultimate culmination like five episodes later. <laughs> I will say the first thing we did was you said, when do you want to go? And we said we would know when he would be there. You're like, well, he's always there. And then he wasn't for like hours. <laughs> he, and here's the thing. He was there. He if was had in asked. the building the whole time until it narrative made sense. I think you all used something to say he's not here because the ram is here. So he's coming up the back alley. Yeah, like, what it ended up being was we needed to leave. And so we decided that we were going to meet him as we left. And we used either a triumph or a story point for yeah. that. Yeah, but no, he was in the building. Schrodinger's Elderin was in the building the whole time. <laughs> but he, okay. Yeah. If Trevor had just walked in and said, actually, I'm looking for my friend Elder and I, I haven't seen him in a while and catch up with him or anything of that nature, he would have just been, like, been there. And if he'd passed the check, he'd have been there and we'd have been talking to him. Yep. Instead, Hob almost died. Yeah. He was in his sexy den in the back. He doesn't like he doesn't like slum it with the, the regular folk out here. He has a private room in the back. And so, yeah, that was my plan. And still, he still has a sexy den there. If Glob wants to go check it out sometime, but <laughs> he does not. He doesn't. He likes a den. He's not interested in a sexy one. So. And his name is Hop. Oh, I hate it. Glob. Trevor's the worst. <laughs> it is fun. And I, Philip does it sometimes as Eris as well. When they know they've got Hob trapped to make him do something silly. It is, it's yeah. fun to play that. And I think they both enjoy doing that to me. And Randy as well. It's not fair to leave. Might yeah. Be the most mischievous among us. God, he was cracking. We'll get back to it. Sorry. Yeah. So mainly, uh, the only major thing that happens besides the ram coming back again is at one point I go in through the wrong door and end up in a pocket dimension that could kill me if I was in there long enough. Was that right? I know there was a trial no. and it was like, I would have been it safe. It was just in a there. little, yeah. Okay. You were okay. banished, but yeah. No, there, maybe you just, weren't going to run out of oxygen or anything. It's not it a bad holding. The threat of the trial, forthcoming trial, I guess, was the only urgency there yeah. was. I'm misremembering. Yeah. So. That was so funny. And how did... Okay, I listened, I literally listened to it last night, but I do not remember how Trevor got me out of the pocket dimension. That's a question that Laura asked because they want to know what Hob would have done. Um, so uh, Trevor snuck back and found the security room because when he was being given the tour, he passed by it right. and was able to 
to get you out of there. Uh, as I, I think, I can't remember if the the ram hadn't attacked yet. I think that was part of that check was that the ram busted through the wall like he rolled really well on it. Mm-hmm. Which it's so funny because we were we're giving Trevor a lot of gruff, but like he played the paranoia really well throughout because like anytime somebody asked him a question, he just like bobbed and weaved and zigged and zagged. And I was like, I'm trying to get because I wanted Reynard to slip up and give up something. And Trevor did a great job of just not doing that at any point in the role play so yes i will break kayfabe and i will say i think trevor did a great <laughs> job it's fun to give trevor a hard time yeah he was playing reynard is not hob or eris hob's not scared and eris has no filter the one thing reynard knows is finesse everything you can so of mm-hmm. course he would be yeah i say of course it was still driving me crazy but yeah he's a cagey so, dude he's gonna lie when he thinks it suits him but man, he was so funny. He and yeah, and you're right. Like who, by nature of his job, who has been in more nightclubs than Trevor to know that there's definitely a VIP back room, not just these semi-private yeah. booths. Yeah. We get Eldrin. We take him to the consistent, consistent bird, bird, which has changed. Why did you do that? <laughs> Where did just escalation? She's not one to sit on her laurels and innovate, <laughs> find a market, that kind of thing. Eric, how long? In each day, do you sit down developing menu items for various Sharn establishments? It's because fun to me. I really enjoy it. No, I think it's great. I love hearing them. I'm just, you, we've gone, just in the last, what, probably six months, we've gone to four or five new places and they've all had yeah. multiple drinks and meals on the menu. I, a lot of times will try to, I'll, I'll find a type of restaurant or type of region that I think matches what I want that particular establishment to be. And I'll look up menus. So I cheat. I find real world examples and then sharn them up a bit. I do that shortcut, but it's a lot of fun. I waste a lot of time when I should be planning encounters doing that because I just get lost in the sauce of <laughs> building out menus for a consistent bird. The first time you did it, I don't remember which restaurant it was. The very first time you started going, my first thought was like, He's been spending a lot of time on those chat GPT and AI things lately. Mm-hmm. This could be. And then the more I was like, no, this has Eric all over it. This is absolutely <laughs> originals. <laughs> but yeah, we go. We talk to Eldrin. It's weird because, of course, Reynard forgets he's been lying all night. We're going to a place where someone knows him and he can't be cool about it. And Hob can't do any. That's not true. I like to pretend Hob has less agency than he does in these situations because it's fun to watch Trevor go. <laughs> but. Long and short of it is we believe that he wants to not see his mother die. And we yes. promised him that we would not kill her. Going back. <laughs> Rewind six re- episodes. Yeah. You're, let's knock <laughs> yeah, no, I crap like out of the yeah. way. All right. The other half of our crew, Milo and Eris. I skipped a bit. We find out. That's what we found out from Verla, right? Was another thing we found out. Or was that what Cold War had to tell us? Like, no, Coldor hey, told you all about Ulfins being in danger. Yes, that's right. That is what I'm, that's what I'm getting to. I didn't I realize I did not give the gist of what I was talking about. When we meet Coldor, he starts telling us, hey, the Boromars are going to start cracking down on your known associates. We made it pretty explicit. Savia's is safe because she's got her own. Like The fact that I work here there is the least important thing about Savia. So yeah. she's fine. And some other things, but the four sales basically was the big issue. And 
Philip being Philip, let's Eris be Eris and says, I yeah. bet we could just sail this boat to Highwall where we have heard people want their seafood anyway. Yep. And that one toss off harebrain idea was the driving impetus for eight episodes worth yeah. of material because he decides he needs oracalcum. Literally, Philip decided it would need oracalcum. This was not in the yeah. story. Eric didn't do that. Let's make up an element. Or use a made-up element. Which leads to needing to talk to Harbin. Which leads to the gala. Which leads to an argument. Which leads to Kath. Which leads to everything that finishes it. It's insane. But I can't speak to it because I wasn't a part of it. But the, the conversation between Eris and Harbin when... Remind me, she had a second with him before the gala. That's how they found out about the gala, right? Or was that all Olive? Uh, Olive came outside because, yeah, Harbin's got too many eyes on him right now. Yeah. Olive came outside, told about the gala. That's right. I'm one of these rich tots happened at the gala. Yeah. Eris took, not surprising, but not really heavily elucidated, hard line against the wealthy in this this arc, which considering the fact that she fully luxuriates at Kath and Sonda's parents' house is interesting. But- Typical gala shenanigans were pretty much thwarted by Philip. He did not want another shopping episode, and you didn't force him to have one. That went quick. And Sauna, Milo, and Eris find themselves at another gala with more statues. As far as we know, just regular stone ones. Yes. And I'm going to need as much input from you as possible on yeah. this one. Because I did listen. I didn't play it. It basically jumps right into them talking, Harbin and yeah. Eris, correct? Because that's yeah. why she's there. That's what she wants to get done. She doesn't like galas. While Milo yep. and Sana dance. Yep. And Olive is there too. Like Olive is uh, there as Olive well. Olive Yeah. So yeah, Eris and Harbin had a nice little chat. Super chill. Fine. <laughs> I liked the way that... I liked the way both of you guys played those. Because Eris does... It felt to me like Eris was acting like, I don't need to build up to this because... We're just these kind of people. This is what we talk about. This is what we do. Whereas Harbin was like, yeah. I don't think you understand. <laughs> Things have changed a bit. We're not. Yeah. There's no we are any kind of people. I'm a certain person and you're a certain person and we are butting heads. Yeah. You you hurt my dad. Yeah. And I just really good. It was I love the not these rich thoughts. I'm one of these rich thoughts. No, because you're just rich. It was very funny to me. <laughs> yeah. Good. And I... And it's fun because I think Harbin's demeanor change was Eris made a check and rolled some threat, I think, which is where I decided, okay, Eris or Harbin has strong feelings about everything that's been going on as opposed to it's who, how much benefit of the doubt do you give a person? And so those threat diminished the benefit that Harbin was willing to extend to Eris because if in however it played out in terms of Harbin finding out from his dad that Eris was involved in his arrest. There's a thousand questions that Eris has made no attempt to answer in the wake of all this. Like Harbin's just been left. I guess I'm on my own now. And so that's Harbin's had a lot of time to stew about it and getting only one side of the story, obviously doesn't help not to say that Eris did anything wrong by not engaging Harbin or, and I know Eris's motivations weren't altruistic, but I'm going to give him space. Eris was like, Oh God, not not an awkward conversation. How can I deal with Um, (laughs) that? How can I handle this right now? But yeah, I mean that kind of allowed Harbin to be uh, 
somebody that would come into conflict with Eris as opposed to being somebody that would be wholly helpful. And yeah, so we'll see how it plays out moving forward in terms of that, because still got to get that Orichalcum. <laughs> and he wasn't hostile towards Eris, no. and he was ultimately amenable to helping. I don't yeah. think he wants to help Eris. I think he wants to not see somebody get hurt. I don't even think he knows Olfen necessarily. No, um, probably knows by reputation. I'm sure. I'm sure he's through Eris. But yeah, it's Harbin is very much like a good, kind person, but is just, yeah, he's had a lot of time to stew about this one thing and this one relationship. In fact, I think if, as weird as it is to say, if somebody like Milo or Hob, probably not Reynard, would have come to make the ask. It, it might have, Harbin might not have been as angsty about it because Eris is like, your capacity for hurt is only matched inversely by how much you trusted the person. Oh yeah, and, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I can't so. hurt Harbin's feelings. We're nothing to each other. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I get it. But the it kicks off because. Don't skip why. <laughs> it, you tell me. Ilya Boromar is at the gala and uh-huh. spots Milo and is uh-huh. making a beeline to him. And I think it's Il- I think it's uh, Alira. Alira, Alara. Okay. It... Anyway, sorry. Yeah, new leader of the Bormar, and it's coming at Milo, mm-hmm. and you all needed a, a distraction. And I think, in fact, I can't remember if it was the Ram or this that it wasn't even a triumph. It was just a handful of advantage, and I said. I'll give it to you for a discount if I if you accept it without me <laughs> telling right. you what it is. Yeah. And it wasn't a so. discount. You made us pay to get our arm chopped off. You it it, <laughs> <laughs> it couldn't have been the fire suppression system. It couldn't have been a fan who wanted to talk to Lyra Boromar. No, it was Kath shows up and derails us for four and a half episodes. Yeah. And so you want yeah, to talk about so, the, the dice not being your friend. Like Every attempt, or just this is getting a bit ahead of like where we're at, but oh, like sure. every attempt you all made to console or talk down Kath or Sana, the dice just would not let you. Like the dice were determined to have these two characters be mad at the party. Yeah. Milo wasn't making his checks any easier with the way yeah. that he was talking to them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know that Hob was either, but uh, God, it's so funny to me that Pert. At first, when Milo would say his weird, cir- either the circular comments or the ones where he said, like, when he finally decided he was going to be the one to speak plainly about why we were all at Kath's apartment, and he was like, yeah. something happened and you know the rest. What is that? <laughs> that is, you stopped us to say that. <laughs> and at first, I thought that was Randy being Randy, like, to make a joke. But now is, he's infused that into Milo's character, and yeah. it makes Hob itch every time. Yeah so funny oh so. man but yeah so Kath takes two employees and shags off and Eris lets us know I believe a despair is rolled and that's why Alira Boromar is following as well and we mm-hmm. have to lose her yeah I think so or mm-hmm. a bunch of threat yeah something along something, those lines. one of yeah. those two and so that's what's happening is we Reynard and I tell Elderin to have a wonderful day and to go save his friends from the Warforged. And we hop on my bike and we speed to Kath's house. We're all going to meet at Kath's and Sana's apartment where we believe Kath has taken the prisoners, two prisoners. And we get there. 
and 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 Reynard is not done Reynarding. He started at the the veil. What is it? The what veil? The ebony veil. Ebony veil. And then when he said he had to go to the bathroom, did you think he actually was going to make Reynard have to go to the bathroom? No, that was not <laughs> what I was expecting. I love the verisimilitude, though. These characters do have to go to the bathroom on occasion. Sometimes sure, he's got to show that on camera. So yes. But it, it, it's just I just so love the realization of when Eris started talking to Rainer about what are you doing? I'm in the bathroom. But what are you doing? I'm going to the bathroom. That was just such a funny exchange of. Yeah, because we it. were all shocked. Yeah, there, <laughs> I am glad that we are not a video podcast, that there are some things that it would be nice if they were caught on camera because yeah. some of the uh, just some of the reactions anyway. It's a little cat and mousey, but it's pretty low stakes because we're all pretty sure that even if Kath, I wanted to walk in and say, hey, Kath, where are the people you stole tonight? And I still don't know yeah. why that's not how it happened. Except yeah. I just got caught up in the shenanigans of the invisibility, maybe. Yeah. But because it wouldn't have changed things. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think. Did you have the kitchen sink bottom floor apartment thing the whole time? Okay, so yeah. that was after the last incident where you all just showed up and saw him at the kitchen table. She was like, "I gotta figure this out." And sure, yeah. Uh, and while Kath also has a lot of strong opinions about the wealthy, similar to Eris, she also lacks the self awareness to look internally. And the fact that she can just buy the apartment below her for her vigilante shenanigans, she's like, "Oh, that's different." So, but I do it right. Yeah, and they're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. What one of the good ones? What do you know? It was. I liked that. That was fun. You spoon fed that to us. What were you waiting for us to find, or were you, or was it just eventually they're going to roll well enough, and I'll just say that's where it is? Because I believe you just said it's like in her bedroom with some papers. Well, that was what it was the whole time. Or yeah, if you all would have come in like aggressively, she would have probably shown you if you if the dice mm. rolled. But yeah, I had the plan, the deed, and originally it was just going to be the deed of the apartment below. But I was like probably a little bit more just to indicate a way to get down there from this apartment so yeah and then there was another despair rolled when reynard was finding the papers and building no you and you had already you had already off of a previous pl- despair off a previous despair third. planted the seed of drother has also made something for sauna sauna to counteract for when kath goes too far when they agree kath has yep. gone too far yes yep which was cool which was super cool and so she's a ghost tiger vigilante. Yep, a counter vigilante. Right. Yeah, she showed up behind Reynard and tried to punch Reynard, punched a hole through the wall, uh, and then stole the papers and disappeared. Huh? And she physically threatened Reynard as well. Yeah. The fact, okay, can we talk about, and this is getting a little bit ahead, but not really, because at this point she's inter- introduced it. Why in the world would Sana ever think that the four of us were involved in what Kath was doing? It's besides it's the emotion a, of it. It's yeah. a good story. <laughs> you can know something academically and logically, but then the back of your in the back of your mind you think, but they it's from the NPC perspective. And once again, these are all I'm trying to play these all very flawed people. And so Sana's big thing is family community looking out for each other willing to do anything to to help the people that you call your family kind of thing that's her mentality her driving force and so Hobbs response in when him and Sana would talk about this of well if you would have asked us 
in Sana's mind, she's going, I shouldn't have to. Like, you saw what was happening, too. And so your passivity indicates either to me you don't care or you're on the opposite side of this. And so that's mentally where she was at is either apathy <laughs> or antagonism, which either one, Reynard's going to get punched. I do like we didn't actively say we were against it, so obviously we're for it. It was happening in your house until recently. <laughs> in fact, the reason uh, it stopped happening in your house was because we showed up. Yeah. And I think that from, once again, from Sana's perspective, like mm -hmm. her relationship with Kath is so vital that like when you and Reynard talked to her about what was going on and she was like hedging her bets, saying this stuff, saying I'm not going to do anything against her because I don't want her to hide it from me. I think one of you all tried to roll a perception check to like get inside her head more mm -hmm. and it didn't work. That makes but sense. But in that moment, she was, all she wanted was for you all to actually go take care of the problem. She didn't want to taint her relationship with Kath. So that's why she was like dragging her feet is I need somebody else to do this. But if Kath finds out that I asked somebody else to deal with this, then that's also going. So it was like, I was trying to play a very trapped person that hits the breaking point. That makes a ton of sense. And of course, the emotional intelligence of our crew would not have picked up on that. Yeah. And I do so, not mean our characters. So, I, yeah. I like to think that I'm an emotionally intelligent person and I just turn it off when I'm playing this game. That's all that makes <laughs> sense to me. Um, yeah. And so we go down and they're the gone. People aren't there. And that is when we realize we, the players got, this was one of the trickiest set knowledge separation yeah. sections especially once the fight starts and we're not supposed to be sure if it's sauna and pulling punches because i think at one point eris like triple critted or something it was ridiculous or crit yeah. plus 30 and so we go we are pursuing we i believe reynard gets a really good perception check and sees the hostages on a rooftop yeah and we go up and <laughs> Try to make the big show. We're going to ask really loud if they're okay. And I'm going to kiss one of them on the forehead so they know we're friends, whoever's watching this. And it doesn't work at all because I get tigers thrown at me. Yep. That was a conjure spell? Yep. So it's, it is as likely if she it, those tigers could have turned and just attacked her. Or I don't yeah. know how conjure works. Yeah, they weren't friendly. She can dismiss mm -hmm. them at any point. So yeah. that's the thing is if they start to attack you, you can just get rid of them. So, yeah. The takeaway is Sana was looking to kill Hoth and looking to kill Reynard during that fight. You all were going to die. Those were ghost <laughs> tigers. Reynard literally died for a minute. And she got him back. She had it under control. That was very... Yeah. Th th actually, the funny part was at the end when she was like, and then I made you invisible. You're welcome. Come on, lady. <laughs> yeah. No, she was trying to, it was all, it was a trap for Kath that you all obviously got there first and set mm -hmm. off the trap. It was in for a penny, in for a pound kind of thing at that point of, I have the tools to make sure that they are okay. They're not going to be like permanently harmed by this is what she was telling herself when she summoned the ghost tigers to attack you all on the edge of a skyscraper while you were on your bike. So no, yeah, um, Sana nobody was great like npc wise like nobody was great in this arc i, I don't <laughs> think i played like a straight up like well-adjusted npc even olive could have done more to prevent what all the crap that happened but we don't need to get into that right now yeah but. no no one was covered in glory 
uh, yeah. PC or NPC in this one. Maybe Elderin. He seemed fine. <laughs> but it obviously proceeds. Was The lizard showing up was part of it all the time. Because I know that he, it came from a despair or a lot of threat, but it was always going to. It was on the list of if this gets rolled, then this will happen. And at this point in the game, you all are rolling so many reds that I can count on at least one despair per session. So one yeah. despair per encounter. <laughs> You're getting one despair um, per round there for a minute. Yeah. Well, it, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, please. I was going to say, and additionally, like when I'm rolling NPCs, I'm also rolling a lot of yellows, which a triumph for me mm-hmm. means despair. Yeah. And I feel, and I'm sh- I, I know this isn't the case, but it feels like the only way this was going to get resolved was with the death of the lizard. Sana was not, or Kath was not coming back yeah. until there was no reasoning her out of this until that had been accomplished. Yeah. And, then, and what's narratively, what's interesting to me is, yeah, we got the lizard. There's a bow on the lizard at this point mm-hmm. taken care of. And that part of Kath's story has been resolved. But thanks to largely the dice, like this story didn't, and I don't know if it will have a resolution in this campaign of Kath and Sana's relationship. It's, it's Kath was very clear. She's not done. Which once again, meeting out justice either was a result of the dice Mm -hmm. over the course of the arc. It was how justified does she feel? How guilty does she feel? And yeah, just everything fell on deaf ears at that point. I'm hoping that Kath swaps more to the single incident stoppage type of vigilante and not the calculated kidnapping and torture of multiple people for one end kind of vigilante. I guess yeah. we'll see. <laughs> but yeah, she, Sana was pretty clear that she's not in a good place and she's not willing to, I don't want to say she's not willing to do the work. She wants to see Kath come halfway first. It feels, does that make sense? She'll do the work once she knows Kath is also going to do the work. She's not going to do it on her own. Yeah. Yeah. And Kath is basically saying, I'm not ready to do the work. Yeah. And I think the Reynard's Reynard coming at Sana at the end, like long-term is really good for Sana. Short-term really sucks for everyone because I think like Reynard kind of laying out here, all the awful things that you did to me over the course of the past hour and a half in the name of, quote unquote, protecting your sister. And so that was when Sana said, I need to take a step back. I think she realized I, I have not prioritized myself at any point in my life. I don't think. And all of this is a result of me putting everything else above me. And yeah, she was just, I need to take several steps back away from these people. Sounds like a negative towards you all, but just, I need to take a step back from these situations to figure out what the heck I, I need it's it's not any of our characters fault that her compulsion is to jump in to help or put the burden on herself but yeah. we are a group that is particularly burdensome and <laughs> it would be best for her to stay away from us for a while if that's yeah. her compulsion um i think that's yeah i i need to listen to that scene again i'll be honest i listened to 11 of the 12 episodes time got away from me i had to spend okay. more time in lows than i intended and i didn't have my mm-hmm. earbuds with me so Darn. Fall break home improvement projects. Here we go. <laughs> improvement in big and, quotes. We'll see if it's better when yeah. I'm done. <laughs> and that's the end of it, right? We ended it, at... that that is the end of the arc, but there is one thing we need to go back and catch. What was that whole ace thing? 
<laughs> with a mysterious that was another despair on the sheet. Yeah. So I talked to Philip about this after we recorded because I think he he stayed in the guest room that night. I wanted to do another third person cutaway because I really enjoy role playing those. And I was trying to think of what NPCs are out there that would be something interesting to happen. And my initial thought with Ace was to go like a Venom-esque route of like him getting infected by some aberration or something from Kyber, like something crazy like that. Uh-huh. But then I realized that would present to that that would be a forward problem that you all would need to deal with because something like that fundamentally changes a person. They become like yeah. Um, and I didn't want to present another storyline like that into the campaign at this point. So I went something much more, oh, it would be cool. Ace is down low right now. Doesn't feel like he's respected. This could be a really interesting ghost writer, make a deal for more power kind of thing. And so that's where I landed. And I was like, okay, I I want, I wanted somebody else. And I know that Philip's always down to get a quick text of, hey, role play this thing for me. Sure. So yeah, that was just on my sheet of in case of a despair, a bunch of threat. It was like, okay, third person cutaway, Ace becomes ghost writer kind of thing. Yeah, we had the Mephisto conversation, <laughs> essentially. And Philip did a great job. Like I sent Philip just the context of what was happening and why a devil would want somebody like that operating in Sharn, which, which is a allusion to... The campaign as a whole there were some little nuggets in there that philip did a good job sprinkling in did a phenomenal job mm-hmm. considering he doesn't know what it is he just got vagaries for or vagaries from me of here's what's going on yeah be a little creepy be a little what's the word i'm looking for magnetic yeah it, the way he was talking reminded me this may be for no one but there's a cartoon star versus the forces of evil that i watched with ferris it's very good if you like cartoons but there's a character voiced by Michael C. Hall that played Dexter. And he's like a mm. lizard person, but he's very slick. He's got long hair and like always wears a suit and looks super slick. And just the way yeah. he was talking, I was like, this is, his name is Toffee. Like, this is Toffee. This <laughs> so yeah, I, I like the idea of Ace being a warlock type mm-hmm. character and it may never come up again. Or there might be an instant where it makes sense that Ace shows up and saves the day and Hob will love that. Yeah, I look forward to the arc <laughs> where we have to save Ace from himself because we can't help ourselves. Even <laughs> and yeah, that's the end of it. We have a handful of questions from the Discord. Yeah, If you would like to ask any questions, dear listeners, uh, you can do so on our Discord. The easiest way to find that would be probably to check our Facebook page and it'll be right there. You can find that at facebook.com slash thegeekpantheon. Our, our profile on X the Everything website is also mm-hmm. at the Geek Pantheon as it is on other socials. And you should be able to find our Discord in any of those. Here are those questions. First one is several from Kevin. Among them, how do any of you ever trust Eric with your triumphs again after this arc? We do because they're fun. Listen, listen. I, they did everything I said this. they would do. They, they provided a distraction. Yes, sometimes the complications of some of Eric's twisty turny triumphs can to get long but they're never not <laughs> enjoyable and compelling sometimes we've had some really neat things come out of our let's call them let's call them gm triumphs because i'm really not sure who triumphed by the end of it how tempted was hob to drop rainer off a tower after the bungle at the bar hob i may not be doing a very good job of playing it Hob has a soft spot for Reynard because he knows 
Hob knows that they are all that Reynard has. And Reynard does actually appreciate them for that. And no, Hob was annoyed. Hob was frustrated. Hob, if he thought it would do any good, Hob would have had a talk with Reynard about, like, you put us in a lot of unnecessary danger. Potentially. Turns out not. But we didn't know that <laughs> by not just growing a pair and getting to the point. But no, he would have never... He, he might be the only person that hasn't punched Reynard in anger. Because Reynard would explode. If okay, did. fair enough. <laughs> is everyone as excited as I am to, to make Eris, to see Eris make the four sails fly? And what chaos do any of you suspect from doing so? Oh, Eric's going to make us roll for takeoffs, for landings. If it takes out a building in Highwall because we roll poorly, I would not be surprised. Or not flying a restaurant across the city. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, there's definitely be like some sort of zoning BS with the city watch as we're moving yeah. a building. We don't have mm-hmm. our pilot. We don't have our pilot cars, so we're gonna get in trouble yeah. for our wide load. Something. <laughs> yes, I'm very excited for. I am excited for whatever goes wrong when we try to make the four sails fly to high walls. When is Hob going to learn to not punch things that stress him out because of strain damage? <laughs> Never. I have a hammer, and the world is a nail. I. That really is what it comes down to. I just have to accept. That's part of the reason I took that. I took that talent that allows me to reduce strain every time Eric flips a story point. Yeah. After the first time I lost all my strain in a battle, because I have to do it. It's just like yeah. a caster has to spend strain to cast a spell. If Hob really wants to have an effect with the one punch he gets per round, I've got yeah. to do something. One of my talents that costs strain to make it work, either double or nothing or leaping attack or even bodyguard required take, takes two strain to cast or whatever yeah. to to initiate activate so never hob will always punch in fact (laughs) hob is more likely to punch the things that stress him out yeah and i will say that was a little bit of bungling encounter design on my part because previously when there's been a thing like that there have been other things that hob could be punching that wouldn't do that to him this was the first encounter where that was the only option and hob's gonna get hurt so yes there were other bugs in that one fight, I've tried to play. I think I've been pretty consistent. I've tried to play Hob as he goes at the biggest guy because yeah. he's the biggest guy, and that just makes sense. He's not going to have yeah. Milo casting from afar at the yeah. big brute. And then, lastly, is the mor- from Kevin is the morning's embrace that Milo has become so fond of, laced with Dream Lily. Eric, would you like to explain what this means and then answer it? I'll never tell. Dream Lily is a flower from Sarlona that propagandists will tell you and conspiracy theorists will tell you that the Riedrins use to access people's dreams who consume Dream Lily. And so it's a, a huge security risk and concern from a privacy standpoint. But it's fine. It's just a flower. <laughs> you guys don't freak out about it. Whether or not it's a it's just ingredient a plant. in... Yeah. Grows from the earth. Nothing bad grows from the earth. You couldn't crap yourself violently <laughs> while you hallucinate. It's just a plant. As to whether or not Yorland is using that as a secret ingredient in the morning's embrace, I'll never tell unless somebody asks him, but I'm not Yorland, so I don't know. Okay. Shelby asks, remember when you said no more huge arcs? Good time. Yeah, Shelby, whatever. <laughs> this stuff happens. <laughs> it was this there has not been a wilder set of months for scheduling than yeah. these last few. It's been insane. Like we said, we banked so many episodes that the beginning of this arc was recorded back in June just so we could try to make sure we didn't dog out any weeks. Yeah. 
Laura then has some questions. They ask, first off, new merch win? Big eyeball emoji? When it gets here, Laura, I yeah. um, t- the, the continuation of their question is, Christmas is approaching, just pointing that out for no reason. It will not be by Christmas, Laura. I, it might be. We'll see. Okay, fair enough. I'm, <laughs> I am speaking with absolutely zero knowledge of the situation because yeah. I can say that later. I didn't know. I was just saying stuff. And they also want to know, what were I? What was I going to have Glob do? Hob do? If Reynard didn't save him from the pocket dimension, I suppose remain stuck in the pocket dimension. I would have, I assume, been let out for trial and have to have done my best to convince them all that I was not trying to do whatever they thought do I was trying was to doing. do. Un- about. I was going to say, I would tell the <laughs> truth. I would say, look, I was looking for Eldarin for my boss. Yeah. And see what happened. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I have to assume in that situation, if I had not gotten out of that pocket and if I had been at the trial, I would have fully been at the mercy of a combination of the dice and your NPCs. Like, we were outmatched, yeah. out. I'm not going to smash Eldarin and Calvary's heads together to get out of there because I don't think they're minions, first of all. All right. And then the last question from Becca, going off topic. How many ducks do you think you could successfully fend off this is definitely not research for my duck army. Um, Becca's name in the Discord is the Duck Empress, so yeah, there is actually probably a duck army. I the so ducks' feet are sharp, right? They don't have a whole lot of offensive capabilities, though, for a human. They, what they what they can do, like the okay, I've been attacked by a duck. Okay. The blunt force of that bill is actually it can it hurts it'll bruise you. Okay, okay. Um, the, I I think it really comes down to how coordinated the ducks are. Um, yeah, I feel like I could take a pretty long line of ducks on, but if if they all decided to join forces, I don't know how long I would last. I think I could take on a hundred ducks, probably. I think that I would win a few rounds. I think ultimately I would succumb to a hundred ducks. Yeah. I think 50 ducks I could take. I think genuinely 500 ducks in a line. If they're yeah. coming at me one-on-one, I'm just until I get tired. <laughs> I saw a similar question to this that I want to ask you that is similar but far weirder. You are in an arena, no weapons or anything, okay. just you. And every 10 seconds, a version of yourself when you were seven will appear with the intent to kill you. So you have to fight them off how many seven-year-old versions of yourself do you think you could take on before they overwhelm you? Every 10 seconds, another one comes out? Yeah. Okay. They would have to be made of much sterner stuff than I was at seven because all I would have to do is be like, I'm really just... That's, that, that's part of the question. <laughs> oh, I could have shamed those morons. I could have... I could have... 1500 seven-year-old just crying against the wall because okay, physical <laughs> capabilities not personality yeah so they appear as a zombie-esque although oh. 21 days later sprint at you with the intent to kill Oof. how many asthmatic chubby kids can i take out <laughs> i think it's gonna be a lot also i i i don't like myself much so the rage would kick in eventually <laughs> you should have worked harder he would say <laughs> that's an amazing weird question yeah i think 50 i could easily take on 57 year old eric's probably more but don't want to seem cocky 
Again, if it's every 10 seconds, I feel like I've got at least five minutes where I'm like Royal Rumble style, knocking one out and waiting for the next one. But once three yeah. or four of them build up and two of them can hold your right arm while the other one just... But you know. could two seven-year-old versions of yourself effectively hold your right arm? I feel like you could still like... Okay. Seven-year-old me was very weak. That's second grade? Yeah. I think, okay, maybe four. But I think four of anything, if they're really gripping onto you and putting their weight on it, they're going to hold your arm down. I yeah. can't I can't at the shoulder, like shoulder press or whatever this one's called, right? I can't front do Front raise, that. yeah. Yeah, front raise, thank you. Seven-year-old me definitely weighed at least like 30 pounds. I can't do 100 pounds like that. I'm not picking that arm up anymore. Yeah, but you also got your legs. You can start kicking. So. I, I will be kicking. Yeah, they, <laughs> we didn't mention footwear. This is... We stopped recording a podcast about 10 minutes ago, you guys. This is just how Eric and I talk to each other. <laughs> and I'm sorry that you had to be a party to that for even a second. And with that, I think we will call it. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back next We will be back next episode, hopefully next week. But again, we'll get her fixed by Christmas. Don't even worry about it. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to check us out on the socials at the Geek Pantheon. Philip is not here. Eric, would you like to plug Kyber Shards? Yeah, the Laughing Tree YouTube channel. You can check out Kyber Shards, which is a 5th edition actual play podcast set in the Eberron campaign setting uh, in the city of Stormreach. Philip is the GM. I am a player. And yeah, it's wacky and weird and a good time. So Awesome. Look, I'll let you guys know if I ever start playing video games again. <laughs> That's all I got for you. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. I have been Jeff. And I'm Eric. Goodbye. Goodbye.